with a clear and new name as Bridge Cities Church, we must now more than ever depend on the power of God so we don't get busy trying to manufacture heart change. It's very easy for us to think that somehow all of this is up to us because it's a big task. It's a big mandate. It's a big call. And it's bigger than any one of us individually. And we can very easily get kind of coerced into believing that, oh no, this is all about us and up to us, and it's not. We have to realize that no matter how clear the calling is that God gives us, we never at any point stop depending on the Holy Spirit. God doesn't just take a back seat and go, all right, you guys take it from here. God is actively involved in the call that he has on our lives and in this church. God has a very active call that he is asking us to increase our dependence as the call gets clearer, as the instructions get clearer, as we learn how to obey and hear the voice of the Lord, and we step in that direction unified as a local body, a part of the big C, the big body of Christ. That's what he's called us to do. We can't manufacture or pressure these cities or the next generation into finding and following Jesus. And I don't want to. I don't want to just pressure people or guilt people into saying, you better be a Christian or else. I don't want us to be that church. I don't want us to manufacture that. And so we have to trust God to do the part that he does. And we have to do the part that he's called us to do. He's the one that changes the heart. Not me, not you. Amen? Great worship, great preaching, teaching, great organized uh, structures within a church doesn't change a heart. The Holy Spirit of God is the one who draws people, draws people, changes the heart. You and I prepare the ground, we, we help till the soil, we scatter the seed, we water the seed, but man, God does the heart work underneath the surface. And spiritual transformation, which is what the goal is for us to be transformed, it's one of our core values at BCC. Transformation is our pursuit, is how we say that. Spiritual transformation requires, demands, spiritual power. It's not some self-help section at Barnes and Noble. That's not what we're doing. It's not just giving you tips on how to make your life better. It's not just maybe here's some suggestions for you to perhaps follow that will enhance your walk. No. This is obedience-based discipleship. This is us looking at the scripture, looking at the call of God with clear conviction and looking to obey, not to find suggestions, not to find just something to maybe motivate me today or make me feel better. No, I'm looking to the scripture to obey. We start with scripture. It defines our identity. It carves out our identity. It informs who we are. You see, we must understand that spiritual transformation requires spiritual power, not human wisdom. God's not depending on us to change hearts. For us to be all in, we must be humbled to depend on him more. Otherwise, we're just trying to control and make things happen in our own strength. And it's greater is he that's in me, last I checked, right? Not greater is me that is in me. No, it's greater is he, and so I have to depend on him. And so in Acts chapter 1, we can see Jesus make uh, the promise of the Spirit that he's going to send. Because Jesus gives this great commission, this great big idea to go into all the world and to make disciples of all nations. And then he says in Acts 1 and verse 8, 
he says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So you must understand, the purpose of the Holy Spirit dwelling in believers is to empower us to be witnesses. It's to empower us to speak to people and to be gifted to do things that are of God, things that are pointing hearts to God. People that, man, it's not up to us, it's us actually relying on the Spirit in us. And the Holy Spirit empowers us with a supernatural boldness to proclaim the gospel and to love others supernaturally. This whole word, unpacking this idea of being supernatural, what that simply means is beyond what is naturally understood, beyond what's normal, beyond what's maybe even normally expected. Because we have a certain value system where we think certain things are just expected and it's a normal response. When someone does something wrong to you and, you know, they slap you, you slap them back. You know, boom, boom. You know, it's a normal response. I'm offended. I'm upset. You did wrong to me. What's supernatural or what's beyond natural is someone hurts me, someone offends me, someone slaps me, and I turn the other cheek. That's a supernatural love that motivates that reaction. It's a different kind of reaction. It's not just learning a bunch of rules. People misunderstand the scripture, and they misunderstand this idea of the Spirit of God living within us and transforming us. Because Christianity is not just a new set of rules for you to learn how to live your life. It is now you learning to submit and trust to what God has done on the cross through Jesus Christ, and what you now are living out as a new creation in Christ, because you're learning how to trust him more and depend on the spirit of God in you more. And when you do that, he's the one who's transforming you. And the things that maybe you once looked at as rules don't really become rules to you. It becomes more of something from your heart. Now, I'm forgiving not because someone told me to, but I'm forgiving because I want to. Because the love of God in me has supernaturally changed me, and it's no longer a natural response, it's supernatural. Because my natural response often isn't very loving. My natural response isn't to want to go out and prayer walk in 90 degree heat. It takes a supernatural love that is beyond what is natural for me to care about someone and to just simply walk and pray. To be there and to pray. To say, God, we want you to move. God, we need you to move. God, show us the next step. Show us what to do. We're asking you. We're depending on you. And if we have an interaction with someone, if we get to speak with someone, if we get to interact when we're out among people, whether that be in your neighborhood, in your home, whether that be on a prayer walk, whether that be uh, for you young people, whether it be at school, whatever the case may be, you're interacting with someone it's not even really up to you to have all the perfect words to say. Because sometimes we'll allow the fear of not knowing what to do or what to say in the moment keep us from being obedient when God is putting us in a situation to actually share his love or his truth. Because we're like, oh man, I really feel like I'm supposed to do something, but man, I just don't know what to do. I just don't know what to say. It's okay. If you're a believer, you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Depend on the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said 
when you stand in front of all these people that are going to put all this pressure on you and you don't know what to say, don't try to memorize some sort of script. Instead, depend on the Spirit of God because the things that have been invested in you, the things that have been deposited in you, the Spirit's going to bring those things back to your remembrance and He's going to give you the words to speak in those moments. And you'll find yourself saying things that you're like, where did that come from? Those of you that have been walking with the Lord for a while, have you had those experiences? You're sharing with someone or you're talking to somebody and all of a sudden you're having a conversation and you go, I don't even know where on earth that came from. Well, it's not because you're so smart. <laughs> it's not, and it's not because you're so super spiritual. It's because the spirit of God is doing something in you and through you that is not natural. It's supernatural. It's beyond natural. It's beyond something you had planned to say. It's beyond something that you had planned to do because God wants to reach that person and he just might use something you said. And it's funny because people will come up to you and say, you know, when you said this to me, Pastor Derek, it really impacted me. It really was, and I'm like, I don't remember saying those things at all. And I don't, <laughs> and, and here's the beauty of it. The credit goes to God the whole time because I, I don't remember saying it. I, I don't remember saying it that way or whatever the case may be. But the spirit in us is working for the glory of God. Over in Acts chapter 4, this is a really great story. We're going to read through it, but just to give you the context, the Holy Spirit has fallen. Um, some of the believers there, man, they're, they're sharing the good news of Jesus in other languages, and they're glorifying God. They're speaking in other languages. And there's people from all over the, the, the area. They're speaking all different languages. They're all here, and they're hearing the, the name of Jesus being proclaimed, they're hearing God being praised in their own native language. And they're like, how are these guys doing this? And then Peter gets up and explains, this is actually the fulfillment of a prophecy from Joel. And he begins to unpack that. And then he begins to talk about the gospel. He begins to use that as an opportunity to share the good news about Jesus who came and died and why he came and that he's the Messiah, he's the Savior. That day, after he finished that sermon, 3,000 people got saved. 3,000 people became believers. The landscape of eternity changed in a big way that day. And this is incredible. And then, now Peter is going out, proclaiming the gospel. And one day, he and John, the disciple of Jesus, they're walking by this gate. It's a very popular gate. It's a gate that they call beautiful. And when they were walking into the city through this gate, there was a guy who was begging there. And everybody knew this beggar. Everyone knew him because he always came and sat out and camped out hoping that somebody go into the temple or to go worship, that maybe they'd show some generosity, throw him some change, right? Maybe help get him something to eat. He's there all the time and everybody knows him. Just like you and I, man, if you go to certain intersections in the Quad Cities, there's certain people that stand out there and you know them or you at least know of them. There's a guy that's over at Avenue of the Cities. He's always there when I am going to my Taekwondo class and I see him there and I just know, oh yeah, that's the guy that's on that corner. And so this is kind of how people knew this man at this gate. It's this man who's always out asking for money. And when Peter and John went in to pray, this guy asked Peter and John for some money. Peter says, I don't have any silver or gold. He said, but what I do have, I'll give to you. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, he said, rise up and walk. <laughs> what? And the guy stands up and he walks and everybody knows this guy. The religious leaders hear about this because they're not too fond of Jesus because they understand that they had a significant hand in having him sentenced to death and crucified. And so they hear about how in the name of Jesus that this gospel is being proclaimed and this man that everybody knew. So it couldn't be a setup. 
It couldn't be, you know, something that someone had planned to try to convince other people. Everybody knew about this. And so they have to call this big council and bring Peter and John in, and they're going to drill them about this scenario because they got to figure out what happened, whose name did you do this in, what's going on here. And so that's where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 4. Let's read this. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they arrested them and they put them in custody until the next day for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of men who came to faith that day, it wasn't 3,000 this day, it was now 5,000. So 8,000 people have come to faith in Christ in just a couple of days. This is, this is a revival happening, amen? We're seeing this incredible things happening on the next day, verse 5. The rulers, the elders, the scribes, they gathered together in Jerusalem. Because all this good stuff is happening in the name of Jesus, and all of a sudden religious people don't like it. They didn't like it. They're, they're, they're getting upset about the progress that's being made in the kingdom of God. And here they go with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, all the people of the high priestly family. So they're bringing in the family. And when they, had, when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power, by what name did you do this? Because they know it's legit. Because they know the guy. They know it's legitimate. They've probably even thrown them some coins every now and then to pat themselves on the back. And make them feel like they're doing something good. And now this guy that couldn't walk is walking. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Check that out. Peter. This was not natural. This was not Peter having some prepared speech. This was Peter doing what Jesus had prophesied that they would do when the Holy Spirit would be given. Says that I'm going to give you the words to say in that moment. So Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, then let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified, oh snap, <laughs> whom God raised from the dead, by this, this man is standing before you well. This is the Jesus, this was the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Wow, hang on a second. Peter is standing before the family. This is the same Peter that when he was pressed by complete strangers, nobodies in the authoritative world of their day, hey, you were with Jesus, the one who's being taken to be crucified. And what did Peter do three times? He denied him. He said, nope, it wasn't me. You got the wrong guy. This is the same guy. Same guy. What changed? What shifted? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, is speaking with a boldness he did not naturally have. And what's the result of this boldness? 8,000 people so far we have record of have come to faith in Christ. Because Jesus said, I'm going to endue you with power so that you can be witnesses. So this is something you're depending on the Spirit for. Verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated common men and they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's a whole other sermon that I could start preaching, but I'm not going to. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. 
But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, and they said, What shall we do with these men? For a notable sign has been performed through them, and it's evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let's warn them not to speak any more in this name. So they called them in, and they charged them not to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go. Because they couldn't find a way to punish them. Because of the people, they were all praising God for what happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. So everybody knew this. From birth, this guy has been dealing with this. When they were released, they went to their friends and they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God, saying, Sovereign God, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The, kingdom, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly... In this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their hearts and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed... The place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do? They continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They continued to speak the word of God with boldness. You see, it was this boldness that they were filled with that caused Peter to be able to speak. That caused things to happen, things to change. It was the spirit of God working on the inside of them. So it gives all glory to God, you see even in Peter's praise and in the people's praise that was recorded, they never said, man, aren't we awesome? We're going to be so popular. It never at one point became about Peter and John because they said, this is your servant, Jesus, who has done this. This is by the power of Jesus. And we're preaching that, we're teaching that, we're shouting that from the rooftops. And they said, man, even when you threaten us, we can't help but speak in this name. You see, Peter was there in that group. He had already been a part of this initial filling of the Spirit in um, the upper room on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. He had already spoke the word of God boldly and was filled with the Spirit um, after uh, seeing all those thousands of people come to faith in Christ. And now once again, he's filled with the Spirit and the Spirit's using him as an instrument, as a vessel for the glory of God, for the furtherment of the gospel, even to speak boldly to the opposition and the religious leaders who would try to come against the Lord and this message of the gospel going forth. You see, we need a continual dependence upon the Spirit of God to help us do what we were created to do because the Christian life is continual self-denial and declaring dependence upon Him. It, it's continual. You never stop. It's not like, I think I've denied myself enough. No, it's a daily dying to self is how the Apostle Paul describes it. I daily am dying to myself because, man, myself wants to get in the way, right? The Spirit of God's on the inside of me. There's evidence of that because he's transformed me. 
he's, I'm thinking different. I'm responding and reacting different. And I didn't like go learn those behaviors. This is something that God's working in my heart. Now my desires are being transformed. My mind is being renewed. My priorities are being aligned differently. And it's not because somebody like somehow manipulated me or pressured me. It's something that's happening in my heart. I'm not just conforming, I'm transforming. And so now I am becoming more and more Christ-like in my living and it's giving all the glory to him and it deepens my dependence. Let's go over to John chapter 14. John 14 and verse 15. This is the words of Jesus here. John 14 and verse 15. This is um, prior to all these things that we just read. So this is the words of Christ. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I'll ask the Father and he will give you another helper. You notice that word helper there is capitalized, to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, yet you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. I'll not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I, where I live, you'll also live. In that day, you'll know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. And whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you're manif you'll ma be manifest to us? and not to the world. And Jesus said to him, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my word, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. And then he says this, but the helper, and then he defines the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And we see that manifested in the life of Peter and John in these instances that we just read. This is our big idea for today. I want us to get this. Dependence upon the Holy Spirit is required for us to be for these cities and for all people. I love that we say it. I love that we get excited about it when we say it. When I, I share this information with people who haven't heard it before and I get to unpack what it means being for these cities and for all people. I get excited every single time, but I have to remember that no matter how excited that I get, at no point is God going, boy, Derek, sure hoping you don't mess this up because this is all riding on you. It's not riding on you. It's not riding on you. Here's what he's asking us to do, not to trust in our own strength, in our own wisdom, in our own intellect, but for us to humble ourselves and to seek his wisdom and to seek his strength because that's where his gifts, his power is going to be manifest in us to change us, but also through us to reach other people's hearts. Amen. It's really all about him because all the glory goes to him. Well, you know, I've messed up. I've done, I've done this. I've done that. I, I'm, I'm just not this and I'm not that. And I'm not as spiritual as so-and-so. We begin to compare ourselves and make all these excuses. And we, we, we begin to have all these fears and all these doubts. Guess what? If you have all of that stuff, if you have a past, if you have a bunch of sin that you have committed in the past and maybe even things you struggle with, if you have doubts, if you have fears, if you feel like you have uh, all these weaknesses, you are a perfect candidate to be used by the Holy Spirit of God. You are a perfect candidate because guess what? When you read through the stories of the people that God used, who did God use? God used the people 
that everybody else was like, really? I mean, like, really? This guy? Even the religious leaders were like, these guys are uneducated. We perceive that they're uneducated, but we don't know what else to say because these guys have obviously been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. What does that mean? It means that they have an understanding of something that reminds them of Jesus and the stories they heard about Jesus. What is it? He's now not with them physically present, but now he's in them and he's working through them. And they recognize the fruit of the works that they were doing reminded them of Jesus. And they were like, we could just tell these guys, these are like the Jesus people. They've been with Jesus, right? And it's this idea of them trusting in what Jesus promised. He promised the Holy Spirit. He gave them the power. He gave them the opportunity. What was their job? To obey, to trust, to humble themselves, to deny themselves, to say, Lord, I need you. This is what I do when I'm uh, backstage before I come out to teach and preach because I don't want anyone to think, oh, wow, this person has like this ability or that ability. And our worship team does the same thing because we don't want to come out here and perform. This is not a performance. This is not entertainment. It's not what we're doing. We're worshiping God together. We're hearing the word together. And so we, we humble ourselves. And, and this is what I say when I'm, I'm backstage. I always say, God, give me your words, your words, and let your words be heard by your people. And I'll ask him, fill me with your spirit today to speak the things that are glorifying you. And if there's stuff, I'll pray this way too. I'll ask him, I'll say, Lord, if there's stuff that I say that's not of you, I pray they forget it. Because there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things that I say that I'm like, nope, nope, that's not God. And I hope you guys forget all that stuff. Because sometimes I go like off on these rabbit trails and I just observe things and they make me laugh a little bit. And that may not be the spirit. It, it may be too. I'm not going to say it's always not. Um, holy, holy laughter. Um, <laughs> but listen, our vision is to change the landscape of heaven, a.k.a. impacting eternity by being a church that's bigger than Sunday bigger than Bettendorf, and it's going to make an impact beyond our lifetime. And it's going to require a deeper dependence upon him. Over in Luke chapter 11, this is after Jesus has taught his disciples the Lord's Prayer. They came to him, they said, teach us how to pray. So obviously they had heard Jesus pray, and it really made an impression on their hearts. And they're like, we want to we pray like you pray. So, so Lord, teach us how to pray. And so he teaches them the Lord's Prayer. And then after that, sometimes we, we stop reading because we're like, oh, the Lord's Prayer. Oh, I love that, you know, and we think about that, we unpack that. And we may miss this next part that Jesus, that he unpacks. And he does this in the context of teaching them how to pray. So in the context of teaching them how to pray, Luke chapter 11 and verse 10, he says, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? So if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit 
to those who ask him. So what is he saying? He's saying, I have good things for you. He's saying the Father has good things for you. He, he doesn't want to leave you high and dry. He doesn't want you to feel like this is all about you or upon you because it's not. He said, all you have to do is ask. All you have to do is seek. What does that mean to seek? It means to deepen my dependence because I'm trusting in him. The more I seek him and the more I find him, the more I'm relying on him and the less I'm relying on me. The more that I'm humbling myself because now he's changing me, transforming me. The more I seek him through his word. The more I get to know the character and the heart of God. That's one of the main purposes and reasons that we have this written word so we can understand the heart of God. And we can see our sin, our need, and see Jesus as the answer for that need and learn to trust and grow our faith and build in him. And so as I build my faith, as I learn by hearing and hearing by the word of God, as Romans 10, 17 says, then I began to grow in my dependence. I began to grow and become less and less about myself. And more and more about him with my priorities of my time, with the priorities of my relationships, with the priorities of my, my busy schedule. Now all of a sudden things get flipped. Now my heart's priority is different. I'm becoming more concerned about kingdom things and I'm living out this Matthew 6.33 idea that Jesus told his disciples, don't be concerned about your food, your clothes, all that other stuff. People who are not kingdom-minded people, they're all worried about that stuff. But you, you, if you're a disciple of mine, Jesus said, Matthew 6.33 said, seek first the kingdom of God, the priority of heaven, the expansion of the kingdom of God. Live for the glory of God. Do all of these things intentionally. Do these things with that heartbeat and learning more of the heartbeat of heaven. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all those other things you've been so worried about, worked up about, you're going to care about them less and less, and somehow God's always going to provide those things for you. Because if he cares about the birds, if he cares about the flowers, if he takes care of them and provides for them, how much more valuable are you? And that's what Jesus said when we doubt. He's saying, depend on me. Watch what God will do when we depend upon him. All we have to do is ask or declare our dependence. We really love the idea of being independent, disconnected. Being able to do our own thing. I'm a grown man. I'm, I, don't need, I don't need somebody telling me what to do. I'm independent is what I'm saying. We're saying I'm strong. I don't need help. That's why guys constantly throw their back out when it comes to moving stuff. <laughs> our wives will be used greatly by the Holy Spirit to say, don't you need some help with that? <laughs> and what she's saying is humble yourself. And you're like, no, girl, I don't need no help with this. I got this. And then you're like, mm -mm. and you know that feeling, especially my guys that are 40 plus, right? We're in a different season of life. Oh, this might be one of those not Holy Spirit times. <laughs> and you go, I got it. And then your wife's like, I told you to get some help. I'm fine. I'm fine. Same thing that we do all the time when it comes to doing things that God wants us to walk in. He wants us to walk in certain freedoms, man. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. And what do we say? I don't need help. I've got this. And we try to overcome addiction on our own, in our own strength. We try to be stronger than the challenges that we face when on the inside we're struggling and we're hurting because we're too prideful. And what is Jesus asking us to do? To deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow him. 
that when we go out prayer walking today, maybe you're like, man, I'm, I'm uncomfortable praying. Perfect. You are a prime candidate to go prayer walking today. Let's do this. You will be with other people who maybe they're uh, uh, stronger in, in, in their comfort level of, of praying because maybe they've had a stronger, more regular prayer life than perhaps you have. Guess what they're there to do? Sharpen you, encourage you, help you. Don't try to put up like you've got it all together and you know what you're doing. Just ask somebody. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to do, amen? Sharpen each other, help each other, not judge each other. Well, that wasn't a very long prayer that that um, person prayed. Mm. I bet they don't even read their Bible, you know. That's what people do, and that's wrong. We're not supposed to judge each other's walk. We're supposed to help one another, amen? That's what being disciples and being disciple makers means, is that we reach people right where they're at and their understanding and their maturity and their journey because it's not about you. It's not about me. We're a small part of a very big idea. And here's what I want us to get in our hearts, that investing in the next generation is going to require us to reject consumer-driven Christianity, to pick up our servant towels and follow the Holy Spirit. We are rejecting this concept and this idea of consumer-driven Christianity where it's all about me, what I want when I want it. Because where BCC is going requires that we deny ourselves. It requires us embracing selflessness. It requires us to pray more than we ever have. Because tomorrow is too late to start investing and impacting eternity beyond our lifetime. Every day in the Quad Cities, five people pass away, leave this earth, they die, and enter into a Christless eternity. Five people every day. That grips me, that grabs me, I'm trying to keep that in front of me. And when I think about the bold declarations of Joshua, in Joshua 24 and verse 15, for me and my house will serve the Lord. And then fast forward to Judges chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. After Joshua and all those people that were a part of that big rally cry, after they all passed away, a generation rose up after them that did not know the Lord. When I think about that, when I think about five people dying every day, when I think about a generation rose that didn't know the Lord, when I think about us being number 15 on Barna's list of 2019 saying that we're in the top 100 most post-Christian cities in the United States of America per capita, when I think about that, tomorrow is too late for me to start depending on the Holy Spirit. I need him today, amen? I need to trust today. I need to start investing today. So what are the opportunities in front of me? What can I do? Because man, I need boldness to declare the gospel. I need boldness, I need the, 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 the awareness, the love, the patience, the vision to see beyond myself, to see eternity and to prioritize accordingly intentionally inconveniencing myself for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of deepening my dependence on him. So today, today, BCC, we're having two prayer walks. What are the opportunities in front of me? There's two neighborhoods, two prayer walks, asking God to change lives and to expand the borders of our heart to love these cities more. So what's a win for today that we deepen our dependence on God and that we ask him to move in these cities, move, in our, in our quad cities, move in Moline, move in Rock Island. And that we ask the Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us, to fill us, to equip us. Because maybe you'll have an opportunity. Maybe you'll have an opportunity to speak, maybe to plant, to water. There's some cool, cool stuff God's doing at BCC. We have four people right now 
that are going to get baptized here in just a couple weeks that are new believers that put their faith in Christ. There's a lady who came to our church last week. She may be in the congregation right now. I don't know. She said God woke her up at 4 a.m. And because of investments that have been made, seeds that have been sown, God gave her this dream. She woke up. She was not following Jesus. And now she's following Jesus. She accepted Christ at 4 a.m. in her home because God woke her up. She came to the church that morning. She came to the church that morning. And the ladies were having a Bible study. And she went in and shared her story with these ladies. And now she's connected to other people that are discipling her. This is the stuff God is doing at BCC. This is the stuff God's doing here. There's a 15-year-old girl who's partnered with a friend of hers who's an adult. And they are teaching nine young girls about prayer. Come on, somebody. God is moving. God is moving. God was moving when Peter and John walked through the gate called Beautiful. And there were some people that were shouting and praising God. And there were some people that were like, well, we we need to ask some questions about this. Which person do you want to be? Which person do you want to be? I want to be on the side of cheering what God is doing. Amen? I want to be on the side of championing, impacting eternity beyond our lifetime. Because it's happening. It's not going to happen. It's not something we're talking about. It's happening right now. We have not had a month go by in the past five months where someone has not been baptized in this church. Praise God for those things, amen? What does that mean? It means the Holy Spirit's moving. Are you in? Are you all in? Or are you just on the sidelines waiting? I want to invite you to be all in because God is inviting you to be all in. And he's wanting you to depend on the Holy Spirit more and get on board to move forward in a unified way to see these cities reached and to see eternity impacted and to see these cities come to faith in Christ. To see us push back the darkness, be salt, be light. Amen? The Apostle Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 12 and 15. He said that I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls. I will gladly be spent. I will gladly spend my life for your souls. So let's start. Let's start today. If you've been sitting on the sidelines, let's go. Let's go. Tomorrow's too late. We're going we're gonna to be there at those locations. Some people are going to be at Rock Island. Some people are going to be at Moline. Two o'clock. Go grab some Taco Bell or something. I don't know. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> Make some phone calls. Invite some people. Let's go. Let's do this. What are the opportunities? What's God calling us to do? If you're here today and perhaps you're being stirred because maybe you haven't placed your faith and trust in Christ, I want you to know he's real and that's the Holy Spirit drawing you. It's not just you getting hyped up in a message on a Sunday morning. That's the Spirit of God. I want to invite our prayer team to go ahead and come up and be up here at the front. And if you are a person who is either watching online or you're here in the room today and you're feeling that draw, what do you need to do? You need to ask. It's the same thing that Jesus told us to do regarding the Holy Spirit. You need to ask. Lord, I recognize you're doing something. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't totally get it. That's okay. That's okay. Don't worry about that. Just ask. Lord, I, I want to submit to what you're doing. I want to invite Jesus into my life to change me, to transform me. I want to follow him. I want to live for him with this new purpose. 
I want to repent and turn from my former way of living. Just invite him in and then ask these people to pray with you. And if you have any other need, these people will pray with you also. But, and, and then online, reach out to your chat moderator. We want to get you connected. If you want to follow Jesus today, if you're tired of sitting on the sidelines, you're ready to jump in. Not only will we pray with you, but we have mentors. We have a team. There's like nine people or so on this team of mentors that will contact you today. And they will meet with you to help you get started in your relationship with Jesus. To help answer some questions for you. To help you to understand the, the scripture a little bit more. To teach you some things. To walk with you through some things. Help you identify some next steps. If that's you, man, please let us know. Please let our prayer team know. Please let our chat moderator know. Please let people know so that we can begin to see the landscape of heaven impacted. We can see the kingdom of God expanded. Isn't that an awesome thing? Let's keep seeing that happen for the glory of God. So Lord, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for how you're using BCC. We are so grateful for where you've brought us, where you've led us, and what you've done. And we're so excited about what you're going to do. So we pray that you would move on hearts. Let us say yes to greater things. Let us move forward with unity, following you together with a clear purpose and a great dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Move in us. Give us the gifts we need. Operate in us and through us for your glory and for the kingdom expansion and for the edification of this body. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.